If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Hannah Storm, and my new podcast, NBA DNA with Hannah Storm, chronicles my six decades in professional basketball, from growing up in the sport to becoming one of sports TV's first female broadcasters. Join me as I dig deep into the game's history, unearth some wild stories, and talk to my friends from the world of basketball, from Dr. J to Charles Barkley. It's been a wild ride, and now I get to take you with me. Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storm on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Jack Armstrong. He's Joe Getty. We're the Armstrong and Getty Show. We cover the stories the mainstream media ignores. The stories that are important to your life and important to the world. The election, of course. The many trials of Donald Trump. Couple of wars. Gender-bending madness. Why are kids looking at so much social media? And we bring you the stories the mainstream media is on. But we do it without the left-wing media spin. Listen to Armstrong and Getty On Demand on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search the Armstrong and Getty Show to start listening. More Than a Movie is back with Season 2. I'm your host, Alex Fumero. And each week, I'm going to talk to the people behind your favorite movies. From The Godfather, Andy Garcia. He has the smarts of Vito, the temper of Sonny, the warmth of Fredo, and the coldness of Michael. To the legend behind La Bamba, Lou Diamond Phillips. When I walked in, I didn't think I had a shot at Richie. Because John Stamos's picture was already up on the wall. Listen to More Than a Movie on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. You don't have to dip forever. You know that rhyme. You don't have to smoke forever. And the reason I say it like that is I have been that guy. I've been that guy. I dipped for so long. And what would happen is I would decide I'm going to quit. That's bad for me. I'm going to quit. I'm a man. I don't need any help. I'm just going to quit cold turkey. And I would fail time and time and time again. I tried things like the patch. That didn't work. Gum, sunflower seeds. I, I tried it all. It's just a matter of finding the right thing to help you quit. That's Jake's Mint Chew. Go, put in your dip. Just make sure it's Jake's Mint Chew. It's tobacco-free. It's nicotine-free. It's even sugar-free. And I highly recommend, just a personal choice, I highly recommend their CBD pouches because it really helps take that extra edge off. Get a jakesmintchew.com. That's jakesmintchew.com. Make sure you use the promo code JESSE at checkout. When you do that, get 10% off. This is the Jesse Kelly Show. For conspicuous gallantry and intrepidity at the risk of his life above and beyond the call of duty at Saipan, the Mariana Islands, 19th of June to the 7th of July, 1944. This is Mr. Thomas A. Baker, United States Army. 
when his entire company was held up by fire from automatic weapons and small arms fire from strongly fortified enemy positions that commanded the view of the company, Sergeant Baker voluntarily took a bazooka and dashed alone to within 100 yards of the enemy. Through heavy rifle and machine gun fire that was directed at him by the enemy, he knocked out the strong point, enabling his company to assault the ridge. Some days later, while his company advanced across the open field, flanked with obstructions and places of concealment for the enemy, Sergeant Baker again voluntarily took up position in the rear to protect the company against the surprise attack and came upon two heavily fortified enemy pockets, manned by two officers and ten enlisted men, which had been bypassed. Without regard for such superior numbers, he unhesitatingly attacked and killed all of them. 500 yards further, he discovered six men of the enemy who had concealed themselves behind our lines and destroyed all of them. On the 7th of July, 1944, the perimeter of which Sergeant Baker was a part was attacked from three sides by from 3,000 to 5,000 Japanese. During the early stages of this attack, Sergeant Baker was severely wounded, but he insisted on remaining in the line and fired at the enemy at ranges sometimes as close as five yards until his ammunition ran out. Without ammunition and with his battered to useless and with his weapon battered to uselessness from hand-to-hand -hand combat, he was carried about 50 yards to the rear by a comrade who was then himself wounded. At this point, Sergeant Baker refused to be moved any further, stating he preferred to be left to die rather than risk the lives of any more of his friends. A short time later, at his request, he was placed in a sitting position against a small tree. Another comrade, withdrawing, offered assistance. Sergeant Baker refused, insisting that he be left alone and be given a soldier's pistol with its eight remaining rounds of ammunition. When last seen alive, Sergeant Baker was propped against the tree, pistol in hand, calmly facing the foe. Later, Sergeant Baker's body was found in the same position, gun empty, with eight Japanese lying dead before him. His deeds were in keeping with the highest traditions of the U.S. Army. Saipan was a different beast. And I'll explain to you why it was a different beast in a moment, but Let's rewind as we've done before, and let's remember how we got to Saipan. Why are there Marines and Army soldiers even on Saipan? What is the purpose of Saipan? Well, here's the purpose. Remember, Japan was involved in China heavily, militarily. We, America, and Britain, and France did not like it. We told them to leave. They were in a position politically where they couldn't. You couldn't leave because you wouldn't have anything to show for it. So we eventually cut them off. Cut them off from receiving American goods. Japan badly needed American goods. Japan did, does not have a lot of natural resources. They simply do not. Japan got angry, understandably. Japan decided war with the United States of America was inevitable, and frankly, they weren't really wrong about that. They decided their only chance, only chance against us 
was to hit us at Pearl Harbor. They were not trying to take out all of our Navy. That's, that's a lie. I mean, they would like to have, but the goal was to hurt us so badly at Pearl Harbor that they would have enough time to fortify all the islands they were about to take right after Pearl Harbor and did take islands like the Philippines and whatnot, fortify those islands so much that Americans would lack the spine, the will to take them back. Remember, when it comes to things like racism, things we roll our eyes at in this show, but also discuss openly, remember something, it is the norm. And it ain't exclusive to white people. During this time, we undoubtedly, almost everybody looked down on the Japanese because they were Asian, and undoubtedly, the Japanese looked down on everybody else. (laughs) They thought they were superior to this. Again, it's just the nature of man. I'm not mad at them. I'm not mad at us. It's just the nature of man. They thought Americans would be way too soft and weak to come root them out of those islands. But... Saipan was a little different. Saipan was a little worse, and this is why Saipan was a little worse. Unlike places like the Philippines, which had to be taken right after Pearl Harbor, Japan already had Saipan at the start of World War II. And why that's different, why that's difficult, is they've been fortifying Saipan for a long time. And these are people who know how to fortify things well. Do you see, there's a reason Tarawa, and Tarawa was a horrible battle. We'll do it one time. But horrible battle. It lasted like three days. Get on, get off, root them out of there. Saipan lasted a month. A month. And it was a living hell. Put it to you this way. I'll talk to you a little bit today about the 40 Thieves of Saipan. It's a new book. I would highly, highly recommend you you buy it. But it's a story about these guys. A, and I'll tell you their story today. They, they were behind enemy lines. They were at Saipan. I'll elaborate on their story in a little while. But we're talking men in their 70s, 80s, and 90s who still don't sleep at night. Can you even fathom the kind of trauma you have to go through when you're 18, 19, 20 years old to still not sleep at night when you're in your 80s and 90s? One guy for years after would wake up choking his wife Choking his wife until, God bless her, she figured out the early warning signs of when he was descending into a nightmare. Again, he wasn't abusive. He thought she was Japanese in his night terror. She figured out the early warning signs to wake him up in time before he lost his mind. Another guy, his entire life, he would wake up to noises in the house and knew right away it was his father In the night, sleepwalking, tearing apart their bedroom, the master bedroom, because he thought he was back in Saipan. 
Saipan twisted these guys up that I'm about to tell you about and tore these guys up in permanent ways. Demons that do not leave you until the day they bury you in the ground. A lot of that is the type of fighting these 40 thieves had to do. A lot of that is the type of fighting the Japanese did, which we've discussed before. We're going to discuss it again right now. The Japanese at this time... You by now undoubtedly have heard of the Bushido Code. They thought of themselves as the modern-day samurai. Many Japanese even carried samurai swords and, well, hang on. Jesse Kelly Show. One of the worst things, the absolute worst things about most of the home security companies out there, and I know this because I sadly have had them before I found Simply Safe, is they trick you. They get you in a contract. This just happened to me with my last one. You're in a contract. I had to sell my home for work two months before my contract was over. You know what they did? They said, oh, okay, but your whole three-year contract starts over at your new place. I'm not even making that up. I'm so sick of that garbage. That's why I'm so happy I found Simply Safe. They have everything you need, sensors, cameras, everything. It's all sent to you. You place the sensors, you plug it in. It's all professionally monitored. And you know what? It starts at $15 a month without a contract. That is awesome. Go to simplysafe.com slash Jesse. That's simplysafe.com slash Jesse. That gets you free shipping and a 60-day risk-free trial. The Japanese viewed themselves as samurai warriors. They were adamant about making sure their men were killers. They would have oftentimes their men kill people for real in boot camp, prisoners and such. Those samurai swords, they would practice on prisoners lopping their heads off. They, well, there's been a lot told on this show and a million others about the Japanese atrocities in World War II and things they would do, but here's what you need to understand. I believe it wasn't the Geneva Convention yet. I think it was called the Geneva Protocol. I might not have that right. But it was a gigantic rules of war thing that we already had in place prior to World War II. You can do this. You can't do that. That kind of thing. The Japanese did not sign it. 
the Japanese flat out said, that's not how we do war. That's how you do war. And you need to understand this. Rules of war, chivalry, treating prisoners well. That is very much a Eurocentric, Christian-centric concept that is not the norm in history, and it's certainly not the norm the rest of the world. I know this sounds like I'm making excuses for the Japanese, who you know I love, and I kind of am, because that's not their culture. Their culture was, had always been, and everything in Asia had always been, you don't even really take prisoners of war. Prisoners? What, I'm going to take their guys and feed them and stuff? Are you out of your No, we're going to kill them. We'll probably even practice stuff on them. Sounds barbaric, is unquestionably barbaric, but they'd never done it any other way. It is the norm in the history of the world. It is. And remember, they considered Americans to be soft. They really considered everybody to be soft. They were all about terror. Trying to stoke terror in the hearts of Americans. Well, really everybody, every single chance they got. What I mean by that is they even had, you've probably heard of Tokyo Rose. If you haven't, here's who Tokyo Rose was. A lovely sounding woman. You can actually go hear her voice. I believe her videos are still up on YouTube. They have, you know, clips of her voice on there. Lovely sounding woman would play all the hits from America. And then in between the music that people were listening to on board the naval vessels who picked up the Navy signal. So you have a bunch of Marines on a naval vessel sitting there cleaning weapons, working out and such, listening to the pop songs of the day. And in between the pop songs of the day, Tokyo Rose would come on the radio and inform all of them that they're all going to die. In the sweetest voice in the world, right? Do you think that would be a little disconcerting? A little creepy? The Japanese, like I said, night attacks. The Japanese, they would send, not men, they would send entire units to crawl through the line, crawl through our defensive line, not to attack the line, to basically do what you and I would consider terrorist attacks behind the line. They would attack hospital tents. They would pop up in the field mail room and cut some guy's throat and leave him there. They gave them microphones so they could shout at American troops from behind the lines to freak everybody out. And again, they would do this at night. They would jump in your trench, your foxhole, with a samurai sword. And if they managed to get you, they would then in horrible ways, mutilate your body. Not just because they're sadists, although I'm sure there were plenty of sadists there. That They did it because they wanted you to wake up the next morning and go see your good buddy Bill in the next trench and find his genitals in his mouth. Are you starting to understand how a 70, 80, 90-year-old man still doesn't sleep at night yet? 
And remember at Saipan, they are dug in, dug in. They have pillboxes everywhere. They have little places everywhere. And they know we're coming. Why do they know we're coming? Because Saipan is not the first of our engagements in the Pacific. By this point in time, we've already fought at Guadalcanal. We've already fought at Tarawa. Now, if I can brag on American troops for a moment, I always have loved this part. Remember, the Philippines have already fallen by this time. The Philippines essentially fell right after Pearl Harbor. That was when Douglas MacArthur was there and then hopped on a boat and escaped and then gave that great speech. Some people say, I'm not a MacArthur fan, gave that great speech, I shall return, whatever. But the Japanese, and I love this part, I love this part. They'd been kicking the crap out of the Chinese for a long time. They started taking all these islands right after Pearl Harbor. And they really had been beating the crap out of a lot of people for a long time. And they finally tangled with Americans on the Philippines. And boy, did they find out Americans do things just a little differently. <laughs> we, that was the famous, at the end of that battle, the Philippines was the famous Bataan Death March and all that. Everybody's heard of the Bataan Death March. I'll do one on the Philippines one time. What you haven't heard of is the, our guys dug in and we gave the Japanese everything they could handle. So much so the Japanese commander, you know, these Bushido code guys, the Japanese commander finds himself begging his high command for reinforcements. I can't get rid of these freaking Americans. Americans were not like everybody else. And we don't cower and run when someone attacks us at night. Back to Saipan, though. So we have to land on Saipan. Remember, all these islands, the island hopping campaigns in the Pacific, they all had their own. They all had their own flavor. They all had something unique about them. That made them awful. There were so many similarities, but some of them just had something awful. You remember Iwo Jima? We'll do another show on Iwo Jima one time. They didn't really defend the beaches because Iwo Jima had all these lava rock mountains and they had miles of tunnels and caves and they all just went to the caves and thought, well, come get us. And remember New Guinea? We've talked about New Guinea before. With that horrible jungle in rivers that had saltwater crocodiles in them? Tell me that wouldn't freak you out. But one thing almost all these islands had in common was the jungle. And I need to elaborate on this for a moment because it's, if you've never been in one, it's very difficult to understand. So allow me to explain. I have been in a horrible jungle, triple canopy jungle in Thailand. I was in a jungle with a company of United States Marines in total peacetime. I need to stress this. This is pre-Iraq, pre-everything else, completely at peace, at peace with the home nation. Hang on.
I love my Raycon earbuds. And I love them because they're so unbelievably comfortable. And look, I love the bass too. I love the clarity of the music, the voices when I'm listening to podcasts. I love it all. I do. But man, none of that does me any good at all if my ears hurt when they're in. And on all these other earbuds that I've had my ears hurt, on top of the fact these things are small, really small, and they don't have some big ugly wire hanging out, you can hardly tell I have the things in. They cost half like half of what the other expensive earbuds do. Go get yourself some Raycon earbuds. They are going to ruin all other earbuds for you, though. I should probably warn you that. Go to buyraycon.com slash jesse. That's buyraycon.com slash jesse. When you do that, that actually gets you 15% off the already great price. Buyraycon.com slash jesse. See, the Japanese were ready for us. And by now, the Marines really understood what they were facing. It's not like we didn't know beforehand, but we know what we're going to face now. We know these are not people who surrender. We know they will either do a bonsai charge, which they finally stopped doing towards the end of the war. For those of you who don't know, a bonsai charge is when they, straight out of the movies, they would fix bayonets and just run as a large group. And I mean a thousand of them. In this battle, I think there was one that was two or three thousand of them would just fix bayonets and just run right at you and charge. Which sounds really, I mean, kind of cool. Horrifying, but kind of cool, but they never worked, or they rarely worked, I should say. Even the one here, it caused a lot of casualties on us, but all your men just get wiped out. That sounds great in, you know, in the Japanese folklore, but when you're chasing, when you're running straight at a bunch of United States Marines, you're just going to die before you get to them. It doesn't work, but they were still doing them here. So the Marines knew they were going to face that. The Marines knew... You can't really take Japanese prisoners. And people get uncomfortable talking about this because you don't like to think about our guys, greatest generation, all this other stuff, doing anything, you know, that wasn't clean. Uh, the, only, the only enemy I ever shot was somebody. I let him shoot at me 10 times first, and then I finally shot him. People, that is not how it works. And do you know how many times you have to watch a Japanese soldier fake surrender and then pull the pin on a grenade and blow himself and your friend up before you stop taking prisoners? About once will do. And this was not the exception for the Japanese. This was the rule. They would lay down, either fake wounded or actually be wounded, grenade in hand, wait. They would surrender, grenade hidden on them, wait, blow you up. On When you combine that with the fact 
Marines and Army, Americans were already finding our guys, maybe a recon patrol or something like that. We were finding our guys the Japanese managed to capture alive, and we were finding them tortured in horrible ways. Just briefly, Earmuffs kids, if you're listening, I will tell you one guy they found. I believe this one was on Iwo Jima. They captured him, dragged him down into the caves. They broke out all of his teeth. Tore out his fingernails. Took some kind of club. And broke almost every bone in his body over the course of three days. Now, I only got that graphic because I want you to understand why our guys did the things they did. You're a Marine fighting over there. You find one of your friends that's had that done to them. How many prisoners are you taking? You're not. And because we knew the Japanese were extremely capable jungle fighters, we decided we were going to answer that call. And we came up with this group. It was the Scout Sniper Group of the 6th Marine Regiment. Now, Scout Snipers are elite Marines. They are Special Forces level Marines. Once you're already an infantry Marine, it's very, very difficult to leap from that to scout sniper. Most people do not make it. The guy in charge of this unit, of putting together his scout sniper unit, which was going to do a lot more than just scout sniping. You see, this was going to be a behind enemy lines unit. Try to think of the type of man you have to be with everything I just described to you, the way the Japanese did their business, what kind of man do you have to be to willingly leave your lines alone with no backup and sneak into that person's territory? Remember the guy who had all his bones broken? Well, he starts looking. He gets to handpick his unit. Of scout snipers, and I love this part. This is the best part. He only wanted Marines who had brig time. Brig time is jail. Marine Corps jail. He only wanted Marines who had brig time for fighting because, and I think this is a direct quote from him, the guy who wins the fight goes to the brig. The guy who loses the fight goes to the infirmary. I want guys who get into trouble and win fights. He selects his unit, and they not only begin to train with sniper rifles, remember what this unit is there to do. They are there not even to blow up structures, really. When they go behind enemy lines in Saipan, they were not there to blow up structures because Americans wanted Saipan. They wanted those structures because Saipan had a great airfield. That's why we were there in Saipan. Saipan would allow our super fortresses to finally reach Tokyo. We are there because we want to take it, not destroy it. So this behind enemy lines unit, they were there 
to map things out, recon things, and they were there to assassinate people. But what really, what can't you do? What can't you do if you are behind enemy lines in the Saipan jungle? What shouldn't you do? You shouldn't shoot your weapon. They were trained to only shoot their weapons as a last resort. So instead, they trained them extensively with knives. The guys would carry six different knives on them for the different ways they would use them on the Japanese. I'm not making that up. I haven't heard of these guys, have you? I bet you'd be buying that book. Now, you know what, Chris? Reach out to that author. We're getting that, that, that author on. It was his dad. I forget the author's name. I feel bad about that. But, oh, well, I'm plugging this book anyway. I forget the guy's name, but his dad was, was the guy who led this group, the 40 Thieves. Six different knives. They also had garrets. Do you know what a garret is, Chris? A garret is a piece of string, sometimes piano wire, which gets wrapped around a man's throat, and you choke him to death. That is how you wake up 60, 70, 80 years old with nightmares because people, the difference between shooting a man at one or 200 yards with your rifle and choking the life out of him with a rope you brought along, it is a big Big difference. That is up close and personal. Very, very personal. And these freaking guys. By the way, in case you're wondering why they called them 40 thieves, Marines were and are infamous for stealing. When I say that, I mean, I don't mean they're out there shoplifting, robbing banks or anything like that. Marines are, well, hang on. The Jesse Kelly Show. On air and online at jessekellyshow.com. I'm going to have a great time going to sleep tonight. No, that's not only because my birthday was yesterday. (laughs) It's because my ebb sleep makes it so I look forward to going to bed now. And I'll be totally frank with you. There was a long time where I didn't feel like going to bed. I mean, what's the point? What, I get to go lay there and toss and turn and be miserable? Eventually wake up, get a glass of water, sit around, maybe read something, go back, try again. Just accept the next day's going to suck. I don't do that anymore because my ebb sleep provides continuous cooling to my forehead area as I sleep, which calms down those racing thoughts that kept me awake, puts me asleep faster, and keeps me asleep. Go. Go to tryeb.com slash jesse. 
That's tryebb.com slash jesse. Use the promo code jesse when you're there. That actually gets you 25 bucks off. You know, remember when I said I hate thieves? Does it really apply here? Because here's the situation for you who are unaware. Chris, do me a favor while I'm talking. Look up the budget for the United States Army. This year, last year, doesn't matter. You look up the budget for the Army, Navy, Air Force, and Marine Corps. The Marines are thought of as elite. The Marines are the first to fight. The Marines are considered the superior military branch. I don't care what you say. They just are thought of that way for a reason. And a big part of that is this. They are a department of the Navy. They are the redheaded stepchild of the Navy. They don't have great gear. They don't have a big budget. Do you want to know what happened in Iraq to me? We were carrying M16s from the Vietnam era when we went to Iraq in 2003. I'm not making that up. One of my buddies, your weapon is separated, you know, an upper and lower receiver. One of my buddies had to duct tape his upper and lower receiver together. I'm not exaggerating. And this is maybe the best part. We'd been there for months and the war was over and we fought our way through it. We had a bunch of Army National Guard reservists show up. All these guys, fat and out of shape. You know, they just pulled these guys off a couch somewhere to come run security in Iraq. And we had to train them because they didn't know what they were doing. They were all going to get killed. And these guys showed up because they're Army with some of the best gear we'd ever seen in our lives. Now. Back to Saipan, back to, well, the Pacific. The same situation was happening over there. The Army was there. There was plenty of Army guys, as, as the Medal of Honor citation was. There were plenty of Army guys fighting and dying. But the Army guys had all the money. The Army guys had all the gear. The Marines, they stole it all. Chris just told me the Army budget's $244 billion. You know what the Marine Corps budget is? Forty. <laughs> like I said, you don't have the gear. The Marines didn't have the food. They would steal food from the Army guys. One story I read, they stole a Jeep. They took some uh, uh, colonel, Army colonel's Jeep and stole it. They stole it all. The Marines had this story killed me. What they called laundry day. They would go out when their stuff needed clean. They would simply throw their uniforms, their dirty ones on the clothesline and steal all the clean ones. <laughs> and these 40 thieves, these scout snipers were prolific at this. Because on top of stealing from the army guys... Marines didn't steal from each other, mind you. 
But on top of stealing from the army guys, remember these 40 thieves were on, always going behind enemy lines. In Saipan, there was actual civilization on Saipan, like cities. They would steal their way into cities and find a general store. Let me ask you, you're starving in the jungle without proper provisions? How great would it be to have your pick of a general store in Japan? One guy I read went from 180 pounds at the start of it. One month later, he was 130 pounds. When I say they didn't have enough food, I mean they didn't have enough food. They were dying of dysentery. Dying of it. I have had dysentery before. I cannot stress this enough to you. Dysentery is not the runs. It's not I ate some bad shrimp. It feels like six or seven knives are dancing with each other in your gut. And when you have to go, which is about every five minutes, you have to go. It's not, it's not, well, if I can find a restroom, you're going. Whether it's in your pants or whether you're seated over a toilet or whether you're seated over a jungle log hoping you don't get your throat cut while you're going. Remember those Japanese love to attack at night? Do you have any idea what it's like to be suffering from dysentery, almost dead from dehydration, and many people did die from dehydration, have your guts twisted up into knots, sitting in a foxhole at night, know the Japanese are out there coming at some point, and have to leave your foxhole to go unload? Gets less funny, doesn't it? Men died doing that. Left and never came back. Men started to just flat out go right in there, right next to their buddy. What else can you do? You see, it's so much dirtier than you like to imagine. And back to what I was talking about when I was talking about the jungle before. In Thailand, in peacetime, company of Marines, peaceful country, no threat at all. The jungle was still intimidating. Hang on. Never completely ready to adopt a teen. For late nights writing English papers. For your teen's music taste. For dinners, where they talk more on their phone than with you. For the first time, they call you mom. You're never completely ready to adopt a teen, and you can't imagine the reward. To learn more about adopting a teen, visit adoptuskids.org. Brought to you by the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services, Adopt U.S. Kids, and the Ad Council. Part-time job, full-time hustle, all-time Shiro to all of us. You nurture, we listen. You teach, we thrive. You lift our spirits, but we've got to lay down the truth. It's time for you, our Shiro, to stretch for the stars. Start saving more for retirement now so you can feel prepared and live your life to the fullest. Get free tips to help boost your retirement savings now at aceyourretirement.org slash Shiro. A message brought to you by AARP and the Ad Council. 
You're in the jungle with nobody shooting at you, and yet there are poisonous things everywhere. There are spiders the size of my hand. We had cobras crossing our path regularly. There were tiger claw marks on the trees. You had to sleep in a hammock because if you slept on the jungle floor, you're going to die. And there were not highly, highly trained Japanese soldiers wanting to slice off our genitals in the middle of the night. You walk around the jungle, you can't see anything. Everything is covered. You can't make out anything. Oh, and did I mention your skin rots off? It's called jungle rot. Wet for too long, it just kind of rots off. Misery. Hang on. Jesse Kelly returns next. This is the Jesse Kelly Show. The jungle is a horrible place. A horrible place in peacetime. I didn't even mention malaria. I didn't even uh, mention, what's it called, dinghy fever, I believe that's how you say it. They called it, gosh, what it was it, I forget, I'm doing this off of memory here. I think they called it the bone-breaking disease or something like that. Oh, you didn't break your bones, but it felt like all the bones in your body were broken. Now again... That's all horrific and can kill you in peace time, let alone with a highly trained, highly motivated, very, very vicious Japanese army fighting. Now, to wrap this up here, we got a beachhead first day. We had to only leave Half of the guy, well, we only landed half the force we were supposed to land on the first night because there were so many problems with the landing. Again, the Japanese were very crafty. They knew we were coming. We crossed a reef to go into the lagoon to land on the beaches. The Japanese had flags set up in the ocean because they had already zeroed in their artillery. To blow up our boats in the water. Yeah, you didn't didn't watch the movies about this one, did you? We land. We can only land half the troops, and then we had to pull away for the night, leaving half our force on there, and the Japanese try to get them off, and they start assaulting that night. 
trying to human wave attack. Imagine being there with half strength, first night, digging in somewhere near the beach with the Japanese coming in waves in the middle of the night, screaming like maniacs with samurai swords. Are you starting to understand the nightmares? We took it. We had 2,000 casualties on day one alone. But after a month of vicious fighting, we finally took Saipan. That and a little sister island right beside it finally allowed us, well, it was the beginning of the end for the Japanese because it allowed us to fly our super fortress planes and hit Tokyo And oh boy, is that another story. Because we firebombed Tokyo and killed 100,000 people. I think that you and I have a tendency to make mistakes when it comes to assessing the enemy. And it is important that we wake up from that. We see this all over this portion of the conflict. The Japanese made mistake after mistake after mistake after mistake of thinking Americans were soft, thinking they could attack us at night. And they started attacking us at night right away on the first island. And it never worked because Americans are not soft. At least we were not. Not at all. And that was stupid because they didn't understand what they were dealing with. Americans, especially in the beginning, did not understand the level of Japanese belief. Do you want to know what belief looks like in what you're doing? Do you want to know what else happened on Saipan? Saipan, remember, was already a Japanese island. They had all kinds of Japanese civilians on the island, lived there, Japanese people. When the Americans were coming, these Japanese women and children and with their babies went up to the rocky cliffs in front of the Americans and threw their babies off the rocky cliffs and then jumped down themselves. Sometimes the mother would just hold the baby in her arms and swan dive onto the rocks below. And I don't mean one or two. If you have a strong stomach, you are welcome to go Google that to this day. Americans, because we have, and by the grace of God, we have and had a different value system, were horrified by what they saw, would cry Hardened Marines who the night before killed a Japanese soldier with a shovel would sit and weep watching this. We would get on the microphones and tell them, we're not going to hurt you. Come down. Come down. Stop making the mistake of believing leftists are stupid. They believe what they believe all the way. And 
just like you're facing a Japanese horde on the island of Saipan, you have no other alternative but to defeat them. They are not going to quit. I promise you that. I hear this all the time, and it's so amazingly naive. Well, if we just win the next election, though, they'll calm down. Well, you know what's going to happen? These communist college kids, they're going to get out in the real world, and they're going to start making a paycheck. And as soon as they see those taxes, man, they're going to they're gonna change their ways. No, they're not. There's no evidence of that at all. I was told that my whole life. These stupid idiot college kids will wake up one day as soon as they start making a paycheck. Well, they're making big paychecks. They're the CEOs of major United States corporations, tech companies, Nike, Facebook. They're United States senators. These people are now in positions of power all over society, and they haven't renounced their ways one iota. We are constantly making excuses for why they don't really believe what they believe because what they believe doesn't make sense to us. But they do believe it. Oh, she's not really going to jump off that cliff with her baby. I would never do such a thing. I don't know anyone who would do such a thing. Yes, but you're dealing with somebody different than you. You are not dealing with yourself. You're dealing with something entirely different. And you had better conduct yourself as if you're dealing with somebody entirely different. How do you think these people have managed to take the free United States of America and worm their way into control of all of it? Do you think they did that overnight? You think they just did that when Barack Obama got elected? Decade after decade after decade, they never stop. Ever. They never slow down. They're always moving forward as fast as you let them. As fast as I let them. We have got to stop with this. And I see it time and time again on our side. If we just, if we just do this. Well, we'll give them a little of this, and we'll take a little of that. That is how you negotiate with somebody who has the same common goals as you. That is not how you negotiate with somebody who wants to destroy you, and that's what we're dealing with, and they want it badly. It's not a hobby for them. It is not a political ideology. It is a religion. And they believe it all the way, man. They believe it all the way. Start accepting that. Hang on. Missed out? Catch up. JesseKellyShow.com
All right. Changing the subject here, Chris, because I do that sometimes. Former employees rip Ellen DeGeneres show and they say, quote, be kind BS, only they say it out, only happens when the cameras are on. One current employee and 10 former employees have come forward with accusations that the atmosphere of the show behind the scenes is far from the show's motto, be kind. This is according to the Daily Wire. The employees spoke to BuzzFeed News, which delineated various charges that were made. One former employee asserted, only happens, cameras on, blah, 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 blah. I know they give money to people and help them out, but that's for show. Another bitter comment was this, quote, I think it's a lot of smoke and mirrors when it comes to the show's brand. They pull on people's heartstrings. They they do know that's going to get likes and what people are going for, which is a positive message, but that's not always reality. Now, I don't expect you to care about the Ellen DeGeneres show, and I don't expect you to care about her current or former employees. I don't expect you to care about her. I don't expect you to care about any of that. That's not what I'm talking about. One thing you need to wrap your mind around, and this is going to make you uncomfortable because you're going to want to, well, you're going to want to think I'm lying. There are, in this business, Chris, what are you banging over there? Never mind. There are, in this business, a lot of really, really wonderful people. There are also, in this business, a lot of absolutely mean people, selfish people, diva-type people. And lots of times the ones you see on TV who are extremely kind on the camera are extremely rough off of it, and there's a lot that goes into that. One, some people were just jerks. Two, People, especially if you have a kind of a tendency to be a jerk, that's not going to get better when you get 10, 20, 30, 40, 50 million dollars in the bank. Three, a lot of these people are artistic types. I am not. Everybody knows I have no artistic ability whatsoever. I have no inclination to, to be artistic. I'm not creative. I don't I can't do any of these things. But I have known several of these creative types. And if I have to defend Ellen, which I don't know why I'm even bothering, but if I have to defend Ellen, lots of times these creative types have to have things a certain way or they can't do the things they do. Who's that one actor? He's incredible. Daniel Day-Lewis. He is, I believe he's what they call a method actor, where he will... I mean, he'll go lock himself in the mountains somewhere and go into character for a month. And then when he gets to the set, again, they're not all like this. So many of these guys are supposed to be super cool. When Daniel Day-Lewis gets to the set, he will only allow you to address him as the name of the character he's playing. Notoriously difficult to work with. But what do I care? The guy's incredible. Have you seen the movie Gangs of New York? That he didn't win an Oscar for that movie is an absolute travesty. 
the dude is an incredible actor. But just be aware of this. A lot of the people you think are swell dudes are mean as heck. And I'm not talking about having personal baggage because every single person has personal baggage. I'm not getting into that stuff. I'm talking mean to people. And one of the things that I look, I still find it shocking all the time. Chris will tell you we have these talks. I deal with people in the industry who deal with others and have dealt with others. Like say I'm dealing with a producer or I'm going to do this big event somebody wants me to do. And they're used to dealing with other people who do radio and TV. I can tell what a nightmare people are who do radio and TV by how I get treated in the way they bend over backwards about certain things. Oh, are you sure? Are you sure you're going to be okay with with moving this lamp? It'll be something like that. Like the a lamp will need moved. I'm not even making this. I'm not making this up at all. Are you going to be okay with moving this uh, LED ring light? Uh, oh yeah, I'm fine with it. How far do I have to move it? If you could move it five inches to the left, or we can send someone to do it for you. I thought they were messing with me when I first got into this business. I was like, I'm sorry. No, I I can move it just fine. Why can't why can't I like it made me nervous. I was like, am I gonna mess something up? Can I not move it? Uh, Jesse, it would it would be really helpful if you're okay with it. If you could maybe just let us know uh, uh, something you're going to talk about. But if you're not okay with it, that's fine. I totally understand. Yeah, I'll let you know. What whatever. You learn how people are used to being treated, and frankly, it's horrific. It is, Chris. Is it not? It is horrific. Um, so yeah, just a quick brief side note there. Just, just know it's, it's show business, man. And a lot of these people are awful. Uh, And when I say awful, I don't mean morally because I'm awful morally. I mean, awful to other people just legitimately treat other people like crap, which sucks, dude. It sucks, but whatever. Everybody's nice to me, Chris, to my face. I mean, at least. That's really all I care about. (laughs) So get this. The whole family, sick as a dog, still. Don't worry. It's not coronavirus for Pete's sake. By the way, while I I bring that up, quick side note here. I realize that we've obsessed over this virus for a long time now. I'm not dismissing it. I realize the virus is serious, so on and so forth. But people, everything isn't coronavirus. The second somebody gets the sniffles now, oh, do you got the COVID? Are you going to go get checked? No, I'm not going to get checked. I don't even have a fever. I don't have any of the other symptoms. It's probably COVID. I bet you have COVID. Dude, dude, people. And while we're on that subject, while I'm just randomly going off on tangents about nothing, there is a tendency in my industry, even from people on the right, almost especially in people on the right, you feel like you have to join with the leftists to mock people on the right who say things sometimes because you think it makes you look smart. And what I'm talking about is this. The numbers aren't being inflated. I can't believe people think the numbers are being inflated. Oh, what an ignorant rube who thinks the numbers are being inflated. People I've personally taught, personally, me personally, 
I've talked to several people in the medical field who say they're declaring everything as COVID for money reasons. A guy I know, get this, you'll love this, Chris. Guy I know decides he wants to get tested for COVID. So he goes, gets in line, right? Gets in line. They take his name. They register his name, his contact information. He gets through that but hasn't been tested yet, and the line doesn't move. The line doesn't move for two hours. He loses his mind, says screw it, and goes home. Does not get tested He gets called a week later saying he tested positive for COVID-19. I'm not making that story up. I'm not making that story up. It's happening a lot. How are we ever going to get our handle on this pandemic if we don't even know how bad it is? They're lying about this stuff all the time. I'm looking at an article. Hold on. Let me grab it here. I'm unprofessional. Uh, where's the article, Chris? You know what? I'll get that article for you during the break. (laughs) Hang on. Raycon earbuds are just different. They're different than the other earbuds out there. And I can tell you that because I've had the other earbuds out there. I've had them all and they're okay. But one, they're very expensive. These Raycon earbuds cost like half of what the others cost. But two, the others make my ears hurt. They're uncomfortable after a while. I have never one time, not once, taken out my Raycon earbuds because they were uncomfortable in my ears. That's absurd. They're small. They have these great controls right there on the earbud. Fast forward, rewind, volume up, volume down. You don't even have to turn them on or off. The case itself does that when you put them back. These things are slick. Go get yourself some of these Raycon earbuds. Go to buyraycon.com slash jesse. That's buyraycon.com slash jesse. That gets you 15% off your order. Buyraycon.com slash jesse. Joining me now, one of my favorite people out there. Make sure you sign up for her feel-good newsletter, I should mention. Selena Zito, the one who actually called the last election when everybody and their brother said Hillary was going to win. Selena, give me a gem or two of a little town that's out there with a nice little bed and breakfast that people haven't discovered yet. (laughs) Oh, there's, they're all over the place. Uh, one of my sort of uh, favorite places uh, is in uh, uh, Gettysburg, Pennsylvania. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I'm, I'm a big fan of the, uh, of the battlefield in terms of learning new things and visiting. And also the horseback tour is amazing. Uh, but the Gettysburg Lodge is there. They're on top of a mountain. And each individual uh, place is a cabin um, with its own porch that overlooks the battlefield. It's really amazing and uh, inexpensive. 
All right, explain to me the the Civil War tour thing, because I'm a Civil War freak, okay? I, I'm a Civil War freak. I've never visited a single Civil War battlefield or done, like, a tour. Are they that good? I just can't picture them being that good, so I've never done one. Oh, they're incredibly powerful. Um, uh, during the 150th anniversary of the, of the Civil War, um, 2013, uh, I went to almost all the major uh, chronicled um, stories from all the major battlefield, battlefields across the country, uh, beginning with Fort Sumter and uh, um, ending at Appomattox. And uh, it was, in most of the battlefields I had been to before, some of them I hadn't. Um, and down in the South, and it was a really, they're very, very powerful. The National Park Service does an amazing job of preserving them, but also having the, facilitating the ability to have good guides. If you want to take advantage of them, um, take you around and explain things to you. Uh, uh, these, these, these stories are woven uh, with, with facts. There's not politics attached to it except for the politics of the time and you really learn a lot and, and immersing yourself at a battlefield um really i mean and I, every time i go to gettysburg i walk pickett's charge and i think what the heck was he thinking mm. Mm. all right what's the best meal you've ever eaten at a bed and breakfast always breakfast <laughs> obviously okay um let's see my Favorite one was a place in Grand Rapids, Michigan. I cannot think of the name of it at this moment. Uh, it was about, run by a woman right not far from the Gerald Ford Museum. Uh, and she made the most delightful eggs benedict and crispiest bacon I have ever had Oof. in my life. Daggone it, Selena. Now I'm starving. All right. All right. I am too. Let's get to politics <laughs> here. You're out on the road. You're talking to these Rust Belt swing voters. What do they think about the absolute madness right now? Coronavirus, Black Lives Matter, the election. What are they saying? Well, they're, you know, you saw the beginnings of this ahead of the 2016 election where the distrust of the curators of our, our culture. What do I mean by that? Institutions, corporations, sports entities, um, all of these things that have the loud in Hollywood have the loudest voice in our culture. Uh, people were moving away from them because these curators wanted to um, appease to the millennials uh, and 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 become sort of woke. They decided to choose a side. Uh, and, and in 2016, it seems like a Disney movie compared to now. I mean, all hell is broken loose, and those those sort of uh, relationships between people and 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 corporations. Let's just talk about or, or, or let's just talk about the NFL has become completely broken. You know, and I don't know if they return because they've decided to choose a side rather than being a, a sports entertainment. They decide they've decided to become social justice institutions. NASCAR is the is another example, and and so. Well, that's that's something you might not think about when you see, you know, sort of the dumpster fire our culture has become. But that is the the, the grain, the beginning that has caused people to be unattached to things we would normally be at least have faith in. 
Selena, I'm glad you brought up the NASCAR thing and the faith thing because I, I have argued that I, – look, I'm not even a NASCAR fan. I don't even watch much baseball or whatnot. But I have argued that the, pol- uh, you know, the polarization of sports, sports becoming political – is a lot bigger deal than people give it credit for because it, it doesn't allow that to be an escape anymore, and it's important to have an escape. And as soon as you take that away, it actually increases the desperation in people. Yes, absolutely. These are the ties that have bound us for since just, just let's, let's just go with baseball. This is one of the ties that have bound us together since right after the, the Civil War. You know, this was something that baseball is one of the things that brought us together. And and when you when these sports entities decide to choose a side and 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 become social justice institutions rather than entertainment and sports, um, what they create is a tie that binds us becomes. We don't have anything to circle around, so we circle around each other. And what we start to do, uh, and I've seen this for at least a decade, is we self-sort when we decide where we live, where we send our kids to school, where we shop, how we pray, uh, and and how we um, 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 are, are entertained. And that's why you saw in 2016 and 2017 the NFL's um, viewership dropped between it was nine percent in 2016 and eight percent in 2017. I can't even imagine what it, if if they play at all this year, what it's going to be like based on the way they have sort of pre-gamed attitudes heading into this season. Are people do people bring that up the sports angle when you're out and about? Do they bring it up? Oh, absolutely. You don't even have to ask. They, they, they want to talk about it. Why? Because they're frustrated. Just think about where I live. You know, the Steelers were the glue that held us together in western Pennsylvania in the 70s when everything else was falling apart. We were at 19% unemployment. In, 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 in this region, over 10,000 people lost their jobs one, one day in 1977. And the thing that held us together, that gave us personal pride, were the Pittsburgh Steelers. And how how the people are so sort of reluctant to even consider what if the Steelers decide to become one of those teams that takes me? What if they decide to have social justice um, uh, sayings written on the back of their their jersey? That's going to be a game changer. <sighs> Selena Zito, tell me something good. Before I, before I let you go, tell me something good. Well, y'all should definitely go to selenazito.com and check out the stories I write from across the country. Uh, what I will tell you is, is that if you get outside of social media and you get outside of watching cable news, uh, what you find is, 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 is a unite, are people united behind a common cause. And that common cause is being together as opposed to the entities that are trying to divide us. If we are much more together than, you, than, than social media and or the cable news would ever make you believe. Selena Zito, thank you so much. Wait, are you writing another book that's going to predict the next election like you did last time? 
I'm writing another book. Yes. Um, yes. I can't I can't give out the details yet, but Brad Todd and I are going to be out or are out there again. All right, let me know if you need me to ghostwrite for you or anything like that. All right. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, ma'am. Thanks so much. Later. You know, I'm looking at a headline here, and I feel like I feel like this should be a bigger national news story. I mean, I know why it's not, but I feel like it should be a bigger national news story. This is from Fox 35 in Orlando, and again, I'm certainly not putting down Fox 35 in Orlando, but... Why is this coming from a local news station and not a national news station? Fox 35 Orlando investigates Florida Department of Health says some labs have not reported negative COVID-19 results. Countless labs, this is directly from the article, have reported a 100% positivity rate. That, that's a really big deal. That's either a bad test because nobody's a hundred percent positive for anything. That's either a bad test or people have decided they're going to lie for money reasons, which I wouldn't care about this at all, except I'm watching this country tear itself apart over this stupid virus. So if we can't get accurate information how are we ever going to come out of this? And now, where is this stupid thing? Top this this is what I'm worried about now. Top Republicans meet with Trump to negotiate the next coronavirus stimulus package. I I can't even deal with this. Thing. I'm gonna loot Chris when they pa- just just know this. I need you to track me down some blood pressure medication for whenever Republicans try to pass another coronavirus stimulus bill because they're going to. Yeah, no, we're not smoking weed, Chris, because they're going to, and Trump's going to sign it, and I'm going to lose my mind. I'm absolutely going to lose my mind. This is from the article. Top Republicans, blah, 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 blah. New divisions between the Senate GOP majority and White House pose fresh challenges. Senate Majority Leader Mitch McConnell was prepared to roll out the one trillion-dollar package in a matter of days. But the administration panned more virus testing money and interjected other priorities that could complicate quick passage. We have to end this virus, House Speaker Nancy Pelosi said on Monday on MSNBC. Pelosi said any attempt by the White House to block testing money goes beyond ignorance. Another, another, another trillion dollars. Have you people all lost your daggone minds? Has this country lost its mind? We are, man, (laughs) 
we are in such bad trouble. I'm telling you, right, we are in bad, bad trouble. Um, you can't, you can't spend money like this. You cannot spend money like this. The money isn't there. Do you remember what Carol Roth told us yesterday on the radio show? This is what we're doing right now is unprecedented. The money is not there. We're making this up. You can't. You can't do this without financial collapse. We're going to collapse the financial system of the United States of America. We are. It is, this goes beyond the national debt. The deficit alone this year could crash the American financial system, which in turn would crash the world financial system. You can't do this. Stop passing stimulus bills and open up the stupid economy. My gosh. We are... I'm telling you. And you know what's amazing, Chris? And this is amazing. Now, granted, you were 12 back when Obama was president. But remember we had all these tea parties because Barack Obama was running up $1 trillion deficits? If they pass this package, our deficit this year might be $5 trillion. It's already four. I'm not, dude, I know. I'm not making it up. Do you remember? I just did this one. In June, it was over $800 billion. In one month? <laughs> My gosh. What in the world? What in the world are these people thinking? And I, I said this yesterday with Carol, and I meant this completely. Here's what they're thinking. One, they think it's going to help them win the next election, which, let's be honest, it probably does. The, the, the American people, not you, you or I aside, the American people are like, oh, oh, more government money. Oh, that's a that's a great idea. We've already paid a bunch of people not to work for months. We took away their jobs. Then we paid them not to work. Now they don't want to go back to work. Now the unemployment's running out, so we're passing more. It's, it's, it's beyond belief. So let's be honest. It probably does help them get reelected, but here's what they're really thinking. They're thinking when the bubble blows, not really going to hurt any of them. I mean, how often does any kind of real financial collapse hurt rich people? And I'm not anti-rich people. Everybody knows that. Not at all. Hopefully, hopefully I'm rich myself one day, Chris. But that's what they're thinking. Well, I'll be at my luxury cabin in Montana if you need me. Let me know how it works out. Hang on. What if you could get a home security system, hear me out here, that was monitored 24 hours a day, seven days a week. They have emergency dispatch. That's police and fire, medical, if you need it. You don't sign a contract. You don't deal with a pushy sales guy. There's no hidden fee. There's no fine print. It starts at $15 a month, and you set it up yourself in practically no time. That's what Simply Safe has done. That's why the Simply Safe reviews are off the charts. You go online. You could do it right now on your phone. You go online. You pick out what you want. They send it to you. You open up the box. You place the sensors and plug it in, and 
that's all. That is all. No more of the other garbage people have to deal with out there. Go to simplysafe.com slash jesse. That's simplysafe.com slash jesse. That gets you free shipping and a 60-day risk-free trial. I love this part. The Florida teacher. You know what? I can't I can't do any more politics right now, Chris. You know what? We're gonna tell a story. It's gonna be story time. What Tory what story to, should we tell today, Chris? I have so many of them. <laughs> I'll tell you what, man. I mean, what are we supposed what am I supposed to do with this stuff? Florida teachers are now suing so they don't have to go back to school. This is about to be insufferable the teachers are going to be you remember what the nurses were last time during this coronavirus thing national heroes and i'm not insulting nurses nurses are hot i would never insult nurses but national heroes and they all had special videos online and everything else that's going to be teachers this next time and i'll tell you how the media manipulates people this is this is exactly what's about to happen. I see it absolutely clear as day, and I'm going to explain to you what's about to happen with these teachers. Hang on a sec. Jesse Kelly Show. This is the Jesse Kelly Show. Why do we need government schools? Again, remember our Republic of Jesse that we began yesterday. Why would I even consider having government schools when I look at what's happened to the ones we have? You know, teachers unions across the country, it's not just Florida, are protesting going back to work. You know, the demographic that isn't in danger at all. At all. Like... Like zero. Now, granted, yes, someone will get sick and die. There's no question about it. But we're supposed to stop in-person schooling because less than one hundredth of one percent of the teachers make it sick. What? Wait, what? And then we're supposed to pretend it's about the kids. It's not about the kids. These public sector unions, there are people who argue to me, I've heard they've argued to me that that was the end of the country. That was the beginning of the end when public sector unions, you know, became a thing. And man, when you sit back and assess how horrible these people are, it is amazing. 
And when you sit back and assess what they teach and what they won't teach, hmm, mm-mm. Headline, Michigan school fires popular teacher for saying Trump is our president. I've read through it, so you don't have to. I'm not making that up. That's all he did. He sent out a tweet saying, I'm done being silent. Donald Trump is our president. Immediately pulled into a meeting with the superintendent and principal and told to resign or be fired. If the government school system has simply become a way to raise and groom the next generation of Democrats, why is it still standing? And where are the Republicans to set aside the trillion-dollar stimulus package and actually address the issue? Where are they? These people, these, and if I sound like I'm being hard on Republicans, get used to it because I'm so sick of it. These people have abandoned us. What are they doing? We have idiotic bills from that idiot Texas Senator John Corrin. Well, we have to make Juneteenth a national holiday, and we should eliminate Columbus Day. I'm not even making that up. That's the GOP. And now, now they're trying to spend another trillion dollars we don't have, always taking their eye off the ball. Where's the education reform bill? Where is it? I mean, I realize it's not going to pass the Democrat-controlled House, but can we at least pretend like we're addressing the issue? If Republicans are, and I suspect this is the case, if they are too scared to go after schools because they think idiotic tyrant suburban wine moms will think that means little Johnny doesn't get an education, if Republicans are too scared to go after government schools, then then we've already lost. It's already over. It's already over. You have no chance, none, of saving this country while we continue to educate generation after generation after generation of Americans why America sucks. You know all this insane social justice, America's evil, racist place stuff? You know that's taught now in kindergarten? I'm not making that up. Headline, Virginia mandates slavery lessons for kindergartners. Kindergartners. You know, where you and I learned our ABCs, where we ate glue with the animal crackers and and did recess. Yeah, that was then. Today, they're learning just how bad America sucks. Today. And again, I ask, where is the Republican education reform bill? Anybody? I, I, I see a trillion-dollar stimulus package. I saw Juneteenth national holiday. I even see them going after China, which that's fine. Good for you. Anti-China this, anti-China that. Where is the Republican education reform bill? Where is it? 
And if it doesn't exist, and it doesn't, then how seriously do they actually want to save this place? Tough question to ask, I realize, but if that education reform bill doesn't exist, how seriously do they want to save this place? Do they at all? Do they at all? I don't know that they do. Because the question is this. If they don't put form edu- put forth education reform, and by the way, there's no rumor at all that it's even you know about to come down the pike. If they don't, they either don't know that's the problem, which how could they not know? How could they, Chris, how could they not know? They either don't know that's the problem or even worse, they're too scared to address the problem. They know it's a problem. They're too scared to address it. And that's the problem. Because I think they do know. I think they do know. And I think, like I said, I think, I think they have no idea how to message it. And I think they're scared to death of suburban moms. Remember, how often do you hear me ranting on suburban moms? And keep in mind, it's the suburban weak dad who's at fault for his suburban wife going nuts. But that's another story for another day. You hear me rant on suburban moms all the time. Why? Because both parties court them all the time. And what do both parties court them with? More government. More protection. I'm the one who can protect little Braden and Aiden and Jaden. No, I'm the one who can protect Brody. Oh, they're all named that these days, Chris. Every one of them. If you can't find a way to push for liberty with suburban moms voting, then we're already done. And I don't want to be done. I don't have any desire to be done. Why can't we be bold? Why can't we step up? I mean, you've got you've got all the authority in the world too because the federal government it stuck its nose in education all over the place. Are we just going to kind of do not very much at all? Maybe some maybe some charter school, private school stuff, but really just kind of limp along? Until the Democrats get back in and do take even more control and take it even more extreme? Is that the plan? Limp along? Is that is that the goal? That's not much of a goal. That sucks. What is the plan? Why are we not putting education reform at the front of the line? Why not be bold? Instead, we're haggling about another trillion-dollar stimulus bill. Why are we not being bold with our agenda? People vote for bold. People vote for leadership. But of course, there's an election coming. I'm sure they'll give us that same old line. Well, I mean, maybe after November, I'll stuff it. Hang on.
Miss something? There's a podcast. Get it on demand wherever podcasts are found. The Jesse Kelly Show. I know today's history story was a little dark, a little awesome. Guess what? Raycon is partially to blame for that because I wasn't even planning on doing my show today, my story on that particular subject, but I threw in my Raycon earbuds and instead of listening to music, I just decided, you know, I'm going to do a podcast today. I'm just driving to work. I'll just listen to one up and I got a hold of that story and it comes across so clear. The voices come across so clear that I couldn't stop the story. And then I got to work and I started digging into doing some reading on the story. And I read this article and this article and that article. And then, well, you ended up with the show you've gotten today. Raycon has actually changed my show now. (laughs) Go get yourself some Raycon earbuds. Go to buyraycon.com slash jesse. That's buyraycon.com slash jesse. That gets you 15% off. Chris is all over me about my, well, the Republic of Jesse and one of the things I have, and he doesn't get it at all. I said, I want a small military. Chris is mortified by this. He thinks our military already is small. He doesn't get it. Understand this. The Founding Fathers, all of them, were very specific about wanting a small military because standing armies are the enemy of liberty. They are. They wanted a small force of highly trained NCOs who could train troops as needed if a war broke out. I don't care that Switzerland has a larger army per capita than us. What we need as a nation, we need a powerful Navy. We will have to, in the Republic of Jesse, we will have to spend significant money on the Navy simply because Navy ships, naval vessels, they cost so much, they take so long to build, and the technology is always changing. If you're not up to date on them, just the way naval warfare works, you can run into somebody who could wipe out your whole fleet with like a ship. So you have to stay up to date on that. We will have a small standing military. Highly trained, technologically advanced. We are not going to have this military base in every country of the world thing We are going to, just like the great George Washington wanted, we are going to trade with everybody in the Republic of Jesse. What, Chris? See, Chris says instead of limiting the size, limit the budget. No, you can't limit the budget, and here's why. Now, by the way, a small military means I I want less military spending. I know that's a ridiculous thing to say these days, but I do 
Keeping the military small will will lower that budget. The reason you can't put budget restrictions in there is costs change. What if, what kind of budget restriction are you supposed to put in? See, I don't hate that. You want to do it a percentage of whatever the GDP goes. I don't, I don't hate that. And obviously you're going to have to build in clauses for emergency situations with strict time limits on them. So you don't keep doing this. Well, we're on year 25 of the emergency situation thing. That's got to go. And it's not as if, I don't know. I don't know why everybody thinks this is a radical concept. You realize that was what we were founded on, right? And up until about Woodrow Wilson, World War I era, that's what every American believed. You know that prior to the Japanese bombing of Pearl Harbor, 98% of Americans did not want to get involved in the war. Wait, have 98% of Americans ever agreed on anything? What I'm saying is not radical. What I'm saying is the history of our country. That's the norm. That's the norm. It's unbelievable. It's unbelievable. How people have twisted history around. How people have, I mean, they have no idea. They, people think today that having a base everywhere going everywhere all the time, they honestly genuinely think that's what America does. No, that is not at all what we were founded on. It's not what we were for the majority of our existence. This America you know now, this is the abnormality. And what has it gained us? Tell me. What has it gained us? Chris, pull it up. It's been too long since we played it. The intervention to success story bit. What has it gained us? We are going to leave Afghanistan eventually, and the Taliban are going to take over. Well, that was a lot of money and lives. Iraq. What did we gain in Iraq? Hang on, play it, Chris. A new and glorious dawn breaks over the Middle East, where rigorous American bombing campaigns have blasted the region into a friendly golf course of democracy. It's all a part of America's comprehensive, methodically planned foreign policy strategy. Let's look back at our nation's glorious adventures in Intervention, a success story. 1953, the United States topples the democratically elected government of Iran and installs a king favorable to our oil interests. The Shah likes America, ensuring that our nations will be friends forever. In 1979, Iran ousts the Shah, which America had helpfully installed, and is inexplicably distrustful of the United States meddling in its affairs. But don't worry, when Iraq and Iran go to war a year later, President Reagan provides aid to America's good friend Saddam Hussein, thus ensuring peaceful relations with Iraq forever. During the Cold War, Islamist fighters in Afghanistan square off against the godless Soviets. America aids a group of staunch anti-Russians called the Mujahideen, including an energetic young man named Osama bin Laden, thus ensuring a beneficial relationship between the United States and Afghanistan forever. In 1991, America goes to war with Iraq's evil dictator Saddam Hussein, who had illegally occupied Kuwait. After a brief period of vigorous bombing, President Bush declares victory, thus ensuring that America need never return to Iraq forever. 
In 2001, the United States declares war on the Taliban for shielding evil terrorist mastermind Osama bin Laden. We may never know how Afghanistan's ultra-conservative jihadist government came to power, or from where they got their guns. But we do know that America's ongoing presence ensures a lasting peace with a grateful people. Forever! In 2003, President George W. Bush ousts evil strongman dictator Saddam Hussein, thus ensuring a democratic, prosperous Iraq forever. In 2011, President Barack Obama topples the government of evil Libyan dictator Muammar Gaddafi, thus ensuring a peaceful Libya forever, especially in Benghazi, forever. In 2016, Nobel Peace Prize winner President Obama drops over 26,000 bombs across seven different nations, thus ensuring blah, 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 forever. In 2017, Bashar al-Assad unleashes chemical weapons in Syria, provoking the wrath of new U.S. President Donald Trump. Trump fires a symbolic fuselage of missiles at Syria, thus solving the Assad problem forever. A year later, Bashar al-Assad unleashes chemical weapons again in Syria after apparently failing to notice the previous bombing. The direct threat to American national defense which Syria poses is self-evident, and President Trump authorizes a new strike against the regime, thus ensuring American safety forever. That was from Reason TV. Obviously, it was tongue-in-cheek, but what, what have we gained? What have we gained? And don't say World War II. That was different. That was completely different. We were attacked. There's no problem going to war. I, I'm not anti-war. I'm not one of these give people a chance or give peace a chance hippies. We're attacked. Let's roll. But what do we ever gain? Sticking our nose in everybody else's business, what do we ever gain? Well, we spend a boatload of money. We lose the lives of our best people. Honestly, you send over your best and bravest 18, 19, 20-year-old young men to die. Those are young men. If a society is going to be successful, those are young men who need to be home, married, cranking out babies. They do. Not to be such a vulgarian about it, but they do. Remember that show we did on France? How they never recovered after losing so many young men in World War I? Never recovered. I know. Ebb sleep has changed. Well, they've changed my family life. <laughs> I've told you this before, and it is so true. You don't fully realize it when you're not sleeping. You don't realize it until you get in ebb sleep and you start sleeping every single night. How short tempered you were that you just don't have the energy to be the father, be the spouse you want to be. You just don't. And then you start sleeping and you realize. Oh wow. This is how this is how everyone else has been feeling this whole time. I'm telling you, go try an ebb sleep. And when I say try it, I just mean try it. They'll let you try it risk-free, risk-free for 60 days. Watch how it can change your life. You will start sleeping again. Go to tryeb.com/jesse. That's tryebb.com/jesse. Use the promo code jesse. 25 bucks off. 
Joining me now, as he does every single Tuesday at this time, host of the World News with BK podcast, former Air Force PJ, BK. BK, Chris and I are having an argument about the military spending levels of the new Republic of Jesse that is going to break off here at some point in time. I want a small, technologically advanced, highly specialized force that can be increased in size if needed. Chris wants a big standing army. What say you? I don't know. I'm going to have to kind of side with Chris on this one because, I mean, when I stand up my personal uh, army, I want to crush all dissent. And to do that, I want I want, I want, want faceless stormtroopers in black masks, unidentified, with no name badges. And uh, I want to march through the town. I don't want any technology at all, actually. I won't even give them guns. I'm just going to have them have five-foot clubs. They will all be selected for their... Uh, their height and weight ratios, and uh, that's how I'm going to handle it. I'm with Chris on this one. Uh, wait, can't they have samurai swords? We opened up the show today. We were talking about uh, ancient Japan or Japan and World War II. I want a samurai sword. Samurai swords are, are cool. That's actually my, um, you know, Jesse, that's my longstanding proposal for hunting, for big game hunting. I don't know. I, that's one of my, this is my more lefty side, if you will, but I, I'm very much against big game trophy hunting because, you know, animals like elephants and rhinos, stuff like that, very high on my animal hierarchy. However, I have a proposal that you can hunt any animal you want as long as you use a handheld weapon. And I would allow a sword. So if you want to go try and kill an elephant with a sword, that's fine. Uh, you can go get your trophy that way, but no more uh, high-powered rifles from 300 meters out. None of that. None of that crap. If you had to watch an ancient gladiator match from Rome, which one would you pick? Would you pick one of the? And you had to only pick one. Would you pick human on human? I mean, warriors. Would you pick human on prisoners? Do you want to watch some a prisoner get tortured to death, or would you pick one of the human on animal matches? Uh, the human on animal would be pretty cool, but. As, you know, somebody who is in the arena, I would want to go warrior versus warrior all day long. Because I want to see, like, okay, and then the whole time as they're, like, you know, slicing into each other, I'm thinking secretly, like, yeah, I could take both these guys. (laughs) (laughs) That's totally (laughs) what we do. One of those guys, one of the famous uh, animal killers, because they had specialties, and one of the famous animal killers, and the animal guys obviously didn't live long, killed a charging rhino with a spear, I would give anything to see that. See that that's pretty cool. But the, and, and you know what? I was on the fence with my proposition about handheld weapons. I actually talked about the spear, and I was kind of on the fence of that because technically you could throw a spear, right? Mm-hmm. So it's not really handheld. But on the other hand, if you throw it and you miss, you're like totally screwed. So I think I would allow the spear. Um, in like, you know, you versus like a lion. I, I think I'm going to go ahead and allow the spear as well. Okay. All right. You're going to love this BK. My old man is, he's 65 and he's going to get some specialty training, you know, from, from one of these, you know, guys like you that goes out there and trains people now. And he's just now learning failure drills. And I would mm. give anything in the world to see my old man pulling off a failure drill. The failure to stop drill or the Mozambique drill, as it's always common, that's pretty much the like basic standard, the two to the chest, one in the head with the pistol. Um, 
Highly recommend it. You can't train enough with a pistol, Jesse. Like anybody can shoot a rifle. Shooting a rifle accurately is pretty easy, especially with the barrels and optics and everything we have now. But shooting a pistol is always a challenge. It takes constant practice. And if you really want to get good at pistol, uh, you should be dry firing at home. You ask any like guy who's squared away on pistol, they'll tell you dry firing at home. You can do a lot of practice dry firing at home, and that's what you should be doing a lot. And then when you go out to the range, like why use up all that ammo and spend all the money when you can get really good training at home dry firing? So I have if you're not doing that already, you got to do that. Oh, dude, I've explained this to people a thousand times. We had this uh, first sergeant who was one of these real fancy spec ops ninja types like you. And he made us for hours and hours and hours sit and practice against the wall, just shooting against yeah. the wall. We hated him for it. Absolutely hated him for it. And finally, when it got live, oh, we understood that. Right. And I like to do that. Actually, I'll be at home, Jesse, and I'll put on my gun belt, but I'll be completely nude uh, other than a gun belt. Uh, and, you know, it's, it's quite geez. a spectacle because there I am. Geez. The legs, the, 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 the thigh veins, Jesse, are coming down into, the, you know, it's, it's really it's striking. I've got the gun belt on, the tan. The tan is this glorious bronze that you can't even find in nature, Jesse. And it's, uh, it's, uh, it's, something, to, it's something to behold. I'll send you some pictures later of it. You please don't. Please don't send me any more pictures. I'm begging you. All right, what horrible story do you have today that we'll probably have well, to blank out? Well, so I do I do have one funny one. It's not like the usual one, but there's this guy, there's this whack job in uh in New Orleans. He used to he ran for New Orleans mayor at one point. He's like a businessman named Frank Skurlock. And he's suing all the New Orleans newspapers, which is funny because they ran a story about how he was arrested in California, like in 2018, for um, <clears throat> pleasuring himself in the back seat of his Uber. Okay, and the, the Uber driver pulls over. He finds this dude, pants around the ankles, the whole deal. He runs off, calls the cops. Anyway, so this guy is suing all these newspaper groups, not. He's not disputing the facts of the story. He's suing them because they say he was arrested, and he's claiming he was never arrested. And I'm like, man, I don't know. I think you're missing the forest for the trees, bro. I mean, the main point is that you were found in the backseat of an Uber with the pants around your ankles, not whether you were arrested or not. You know, uh, I can't get enough of these lawsuits, Jesse, and these dudes. I can't. I just. I love it so much. Does Uber weird you out a little bit? I'll tell you, my wife doesn't take one anymore. Even though incidents, the percentages are extremely low, I, I, it weirds me out a little bit. Dude, I don't even like getting – it's like everything sucks now because of COVID. Like I don't even like going anywhere. Like there's no – like I went to a restaurant last night and it was fine. But, the, you know, out here you got to wear masks. Every, there's no indoor seating. You have to have, like, all your party be there, and then they sit you outside, and, like, cars oh, are going by, and gosh. you have to wait till you're seated to take your mask off. And then if you want to go out and use the bathroom, you got to put your mask on. And it's just everything sucks, dude. Like, getting an Uber, you got to wear a mask in the Uber. Driver's got to be wearing a mask. I'm just over it, bro. I'm waiting for this to be over, and I think it's time just, like, honestly – it's got to run its course at a certain point. I mean, how are we supposed to live like this forever? We can't. And ever and we, ever. we can't. I know it's we, absurd. We can't do it. You know these teachers aren't going back to school. You know that, right? I Yeah. I, I You know what? Part of me, look, I guess I can't blame them. Some of these teachers are old ladies. I get that. But the kids are not going to get sick and die. And now it seems like the goal is like no child can get sick. And I'm like, dude, how many kids died of regular flu? 
like last year. And sadly, it's a fact of life. People get sick and some are going to pass away and it sucks, but we can't shut down society forever with no end in sight to prevent that. It's just not possible. Uh, Miraculously, I don't even know how, but the market has just been crushing it lately. And I, I really don't know how I'm waiting for that shoe to drop because right now the market is just booming. And I'm really not, don't really understand why it doesn't really match up with the facts on the ground, you know. Yeah, well, Carol Roth was trying to explain this yesterday that basically it's the Fed artificially pumping a bunch of cash and, and buying up corporate debt. She was she was actually, and she's not a doomsdayer. She was preaching doomsday yesterday that they are pumping up a massive bubble burst. Well, they they are, and if you look at you know the old timey, how about gold of all things, gold has been just killing it lately Mm -hmm. because that's traditionally been a safe haven. And like you said, Jesse, when the federal government just starts printing money, you can't just print money forever because eventually your currency gets devaluated and people start looking around for other stuff. It's like, okay, well, if you're printing all this money, now the cash I have isn't worth as much. So I got to look for something that's worth it. And shockingly, gold, which Warren Buffett famously hates, uh, has been just killing it lately. I have a precious metals fund that's been a complete dog for like a decade. And <laughs> BK, it's actually like been kicking butt. BK, can you stay for one more? Sure, let's do it. All right, hang on a sec. The Jesse Kelly Show. I don't have time for complicated. I don't have time for pushy sales guys. And when it comes to home security, I dang sure do not have time to set aside four, eight hours of my day so someone can show up, install everything, attempt to poorly explain to me how it actually works. It's just, I'm not dealing with it. I'm not dealing with it now. I'm not dealing with it ever. And I don't have to deal with it because I have Simply Safe. That gives me all the sensors, all the cameras a man could ever want. It's monitored 24 hours a day, seven days a week by a professional. It gives me emergency services like police, fire, and medical. And it starts at $15 a month. I'm not even making that up. 15 bucks a month? Are you kidding? That's real. There's no excuse anymore. Go to simplysafe.com slash jesse. That's simplysafe.com slash jesse. That gets you free shipping and a 60-day free trial. Jesse Kelly. Back soon. Back. With BK. BK, are you still there? Did your stupid California cricket wireless phone drop? I'm here. And by the way, I have T-Mobile, which is horrible. I'd rather have cricket wireless. (laughs) The worst. All right. We're working on the Republic of Jesse uh, Constitution here. We are not automatically granting birthright citizenship. Is that a problem for you? No, I'm actually I'm actually for that. I think, you know, citizenship, we're the only we're still the United States is like one of the last countries that does the birthright citizenship thing. Everybody else has realized it was stupid like many, many decades ago. So like I, I really don't understand. But that 
that is one thing that they have no shot of ever changing in the United States. So I would, you know, that, that ship has kind of sailed. Uh, so I don't really see it happening, but no, I'm with you on that one. I'm, I would call, I think citizenship should have to be like either earned or you should have to have like a parent, at least one parent who's already a citizen to get it. Absolutely. Voting. We are restricting voting to land owning males, 25 years or older. Hmm. I'm not so sure about that one because like, I'm not like a, I don't know if you're a homeowner. I'm not, I'm a renter. Because oh, I don't gosh. want it. Uh, yeah, I'm oh, one of those. Yeah, one that's of right. I'm one of those people. My ridiculous beach rent, <laughs> it's actually insane. With, with what I pay to live in an apartment by the beach, I could like have like a five bedroom house in like Montana or something. I, I've already looked. I, I know so, what those rentals go for. You're an idiot. Go buy a house. I, What's wrong with you? I like the ocean. I don't know. I like. I just like the ocean. What's the point of me giving it? Like, what's the point of living in San Diego if you're not going to be by the ocean? That's the way I look at it. I mean, what's the point? Sure, I could have a huge house in the middle of nowhere. Who the hell would want to come see me? Forget about it. Okay. You know so, what? But you I know what? like not having that enormous mortgage. Well, keep your house. You're just not getting a vote. National security. <laughs> Chris and I had an argument about this national security-wise. He wants some kind of restrictions for firearms. He, like, he doesn't want the average average citizen owning RPGs and whatnot. I have no issue with the average citizen owning RPGs. What say you, BK? Well, that's a that's a tricky one. I mean, as you know, Jesse, that huge story came out with the St. Louis couple who pointed the guns at the protesters, mm-hmm. and now they're getting felony charges laying at them. Like, that is, like, shocking to me. And, like, I don't know. Look, I do think there should be some restrictions on the weapons only because I've gone to the range sometimes and I've seen, like, what disasters people are there. Oh, gosh. I would would actually restrict, like, weapons ownership. I would do it all by, like, looks. So if you have good hair and you're (laughs) jacked and tan like me, then you can kind of do whatever you want. As a matter of fact, I would just go ahead and apply that to your voting and citizenship rights as well. You have to submit a headshot. Uh, You would have to stand nude in front of a panel of judges. (laughs) I will be on the panel, obviously. And you would have to, uh, and you will be judged. And if you are found lacking, uh, I will be like, why don't you go hit the gym for about a year, and then you can come back and try again. And that's kind of the way I would run it. (laughs) What about short people? At least short men. Short chicks can be hot, but we don't need we don't need short men, right? No, nobody nobody under six feet should even bother showing up. That's that's a no go. I mean, I'm six three. I'm not as tall as you but you know i'm good enough all right what is in all seriousness what would a military look like in a new country not america in a new country what would the average bk military be all navy Uh, all air force just a little this a huge standing military what would it be well i'm not exactly sure but one thing that and i've had many friends advocate this for years jesse i would have like one branch of special operations and then you go into a selection i think like everybody the way we do it now is just honestly kind of dumb with each like branch of the service having their own special operations forces and like, but then you all go mix and match anyway. It seems very inefficient to me. I would do it where you have like one branch of special operations. And then from there, each guy goes, you go through the same one selection course, which is like, would be a brutally hard selection course for like six months long. And the guys who are at the end of it, would then branch off into various specialties. Also, and they're doing this now in the United States, you got to get at these kids a lot younger. 
you can't like, you know, the old that you can't like wait until they're like even 18, 19, 20, 21 years old to, to really start training them and mold them in your image. You know, you got to go like Spartan a little bit and start identifying these kids and recruiters are doing this now. They're finding these kids in like junior high who are in like, you know, extreme sports and, and uh, athlete, athletics and things like that. And they're finding these kids, identifying them early age, and they're starting like we should, and as we should be doing, you start them at an early age and really groom them to become these operators of the future. I think that's the wave of the future, Jesse, and I see it a lot more as happening now. I know there's whole a friend of mine that I contracted with, his whole job, he's like a scout, except being a, like a pro athlete scout, except instead of looking for baseball players, he's looking for like future green berets, PJs, Navy seals and stuff like that. So they're going out there and they're being a lot more proactive. So I I'm a big fan of that. And I think we got to start identifying these kids at a younger age and start molding them the way we want them to be. Host of world news with BK go download it. I appreciate you, my friend. Thank you, Jesse. I'll tell you what, Chris, I think we only have an army and a Navy. Period. Don't say anything about the Air Force. A Air Force didn't even exist until after World War II. It was the Army Air Corps. That's what it was. Fell under the Army. Navy has its own planes. Hang on. never completely ready to adopt a teen. For late nights writing English papers. For your teen's music taste. For dinners, where they talk more on their phone than with you. For the first time, they call you mom. You're never completely ready to adopt a teen, and you can't imagine the reward. To learn more about adopting a teen, visit AdoptUSKids.org. Brought to you by the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services, Adopt US Kids, and the Ad Council. Part-time job, full-time hustle, all-time Shiro to all of us. You nurture, we listen. You teach, we thrive. You lift our spirits, but we've got to lay down the truth. It's time for you, our Shiro, to stretch for the stars. Start saving more for retirement now so you can feel prepared and live your life to the fullest. Get free tips to help boost your retirement savings now at aceyourretirement.org Shiro. A message brought to you by AARP and the Ad Council. Chris and I are now agonizing over the mandatory military service thing. And again, I always go back and forth on this. On one hand, I don't like the government mandating anything. You must come do this. You must come do that. On the other hand, countries that have this, countries like Israel have an extremely mature young population. Extremely. Look around you. Do you think our next generation could benefit from some maturity? You can email me, jesse at jessekellyshow.com. jesse at jessekellyshow.com. Chris gets them, prints them off for me. I read them all. 
You can catch the whole show if you missed any of it on Google, iHeart, Spotify, iTunes. Go ahead and subscribe. Leave a five-star review. Talk about how handsome I am. That's all. Jesse Kelly Show. On the Jordan Harbinger Show, you'll hear amazing stories from people that have lived them, from spies to CEOs, even an undercover agent who infiltrated the Gambino crime family. You're about to hear a preview of the Jordan Harbinger Show with Jack Garcia, who did just that. My career was 24 out of 26 years, was solely dedicated working on the cover. I walk in, I'm in the bar. Now there's a barmaid there, good looking young lady. She's serving me a drink. Hey, what would you like? I Usually my drink was, give me a kettle, one martini, three olives, glass of water on the side. I finish the drink. The guys come in. I'm going to go, go in my pocket, take out the big wad of money. Bam, I give her $100. If you're with the mob, I say, hey, Jordan, you're on record with us. That means we protect you. Nobody could shake you down. We could shake you down, but you're on record with us. For more on how Jack became so trusted in the highest levels of the Gambino organization, check out episode 392 of The Jordan Harbinger Show. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Hannah Storm, and my new podcast, NBA DNA with Hannah Storm, chronicles my six decades in professional basketball, from growing up in the sport to becoming one of sports TV's first female broadcasters. Join me as I dig deep into the game's history, unearth some wild stories, and talk to my friends from the world of basketball, from Dr. J to Charles Barkley. It's been a wild ride, and now I get to take you with me. Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storm on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. More Than a Movie is back with Season 2. I'm your host, Alex Fumero. And each week, I'm going to talk to the people behind your favorite movies. From The Godfather, Andy Garcia. He has the smarts of Vito, the temper of Sonny, the warmth of Fredo, and the coldness of Michael. To the legend behind La Bamba, Lou Diamond Phillips. When I walked in, I didn't think I had a shot at Richie because John Stamos's picture was already up on the wall. Listen to more than a movie on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. 
I'm Jack Armstrong. He's Joe Getty. We're the Armstrong and Getty Show. We cover the stories the mainstream media ignores. Stories that are important to your life and important to the world. The election, of course. The many trials of Donald Trump. Couple of wars. Gender-bending madness. Why are kids looking at so much social media? And we bring you the stories the mainstream media is on. But we do it without the left-wing media spin. Listen to Armstrong and Getty On Demand on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search the Armstrong and Getty Show to start listening.